Welcome to Modern Family Matters, a podcast devoted to exploring family law topics that matter most to you, covering a wide range of legal, personal, and family law matters with expert analysis from skilled attorneys and professional guests. We hope that our podcast provides answers, clarity, and guidance towards a better tomorrow for you and your family. Here's your host, Steve Altitian. Hi, everyone. I'm Steve Altitian, Director of Client Partnerships here at Pacific Cascade Legal. And today we have author, TED speaker, and self-described humanity propulsion engineer, Nate Turner, to talk to us about designing a life template for children and embracing your role as your child's first and most important teacher. Hey, Nathaniel, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? And I want to apologize in the beginning for my very casual tires. I've been running through airports trying to get to, to D.C. today. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem at all. I, I just put on the tie so I don't. My wife will kill me. <laughs> no other reason. I think I'm so, already. <laughs> I like it. So, Nathaniel, can you talk a little bit about yourself? Sure. So you're going to call me Nate, right? Because Nathaniel means I'm usually in trouble. And I'm not going to be in trouble with my buddy Steve today. So I'm Nate, I'm Nate Turner. I'm originally from Gary, Indiana. I am the husband of of, of one wife. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm the father of one son. And as I jokingly say, if those relationships don't work out, I'm done. So uh, <laughs> that that's me in a nutshell. Who am I? I think uh, Steve's like the, the most important word to me in all of the human language is the word who. I don't think we spend enough time with that. Certainly, we're not going to do that for your show. But I think who is important to me because it shows up everywhere once we are no longer here. It shows up in our obituary. It shows up in our eulogy. And it, it will be the last words to show up on our on our final testament, be that on a tombstone or an urn or something. So I think the way that I like to approach my life is to live my life backward and think about how I want to be remembered when I'm no longer and someone else will tell the world who I, who I was. I love that. I love that. And then that kind of leads into let's kind of start not with the how, you know, to design a template necessarily, but you know, a little bit about with the why. And you know, I I was reading some of your articles and I really love the one where you were talking about, you know, where it's past time that parents live up to their time-honored belief that that they are their children's first and most important teacher. And it reminded me, you know, when our kids were really young, we started reading books to them. And mm-hmm. that was way even before they could read. But I imagine you're even talking about more than just that. Yeah, absolutely. So schools always say that parents are the children's first teacher. And yet parents typically have no equipment, have no training, have no coaching. We have very little skill level um, to be to be that, to not only to be to be a teacher, we, most of us don't know what we're doing to be a parent. I can remember um, getting this newborn baby after being in the hospital for like 36 hours. And then they tell you bye and not knowing what to do with that baby. I knew more about what to do with the car seat than I did what to do with a child. I mean, it's true. I mean, there are yeah. no, we say that there are no instructions, which is really a sad statement and quite an indictment on parenting that in 2022, we still have more instructions to put in a car seat than we do about helping parents. So I think, yeah, parents, 
in order to be their children's first teacher, parents have to spend some time learning what it means to to be a parent. So I think the time is up for us to, you know, going along, uh, always using the same excuse that there's no book or there's no manual. You talk a lot also about, you know, it's important to understand and and maybe change our future, I think you said, by changing how we think and how teaching yourself and being yourself is an important part of that teaching. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. So my grandmother used to say to me all the time, and it's it's important, she she lived to be just short of her 103rd birthday. She was born in yeah, 19. I'm going to get the dates wrong. and My mother's going to hear this and she's going to say, you got it wrong. I think she was born in 1908. She passed in 2011. Uh, she was born October 4th, 1908. She would say to me that there's this thing about the tree and the fruit. Now, she would take me to church and, and I won't spend t- time belaboring that point. But the point about the tree and the fruit always stuck with me, that she would say, you know, whatever you are, your child will become. And if you're if you're not working to steadily improve yourself, then you're going to have a hard time asking a child to do the same thing. So the best way to show the child how to do something rather than complaining and yelling and screaming is just to do better and be better yourself. So let's talk a little bit about the how. I mean, I I, I totally get that. I mean, it's got to do, I, I would imagine, not just with you and yourself, but the people you're around and kind of, you know, the, the, the circle of people that you, that you have around you. Yeah. I may not have made that analogy clear, so I'm going to clarify it and then I'm going to add the additional parts that you just mentioned. So like the tree, if you plant the seeds for a tree and the tree grows and we just say we plant an apple tree, that apple tree, you're going to need a few things to happen. One is going to need great amounts of water for it to grow. It's going to need a certain amount of fertilizer. It's going to need um, a certain amount of sunlight. At some point in time, that tree is going to grow, and we hope that that tree then will produce really great fruit. But the tree is not going to produce really great fruit unless the elements were in place for the tree to be great in the first place. I mean, we rarely ever see a tree that is falling apart with a piece of great tasty fruit on it. And so that's sort of the same way with, with children. We have to create an ecosystem for children that, that's sort of like the wind and the rain and the sun and the soil that allows a child to, to be great. But oftentimes that happens when the parent has its own great ecosystem that encourages them to be great first. I love that analogy as, as a person who's killed many trees and plants. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from. So how do we put this in action? You know, what are some things we can do? I think the, the very first thing I say to parents all the time is that you have to think about where it is and who it is that you want your child to be. If you want, for example, if your your let's say your minimal goal was to figure out how to get your child to college, I'd say, well, what college do you want your child to go to? And do you want to have to pay for tuition? And is this a large school or a small school or public school or private school or a, a Ivy League school or a historically black college or university or minority serving institution? You know, you have to decide where it is that you want to go. And like a GPS, if you and I, if I was going to come visit you, Steve, I'd say, Steve, where are you? 
I'm going to drive out to Oregon, Washington. Which Oregon? Which okay, Oregon. See, I was already lost, and so so you would give me the address, and I would put it into my phone, and the phone would then tell me which directions to go. I think that's the most important part. The families have to decide what they want for themselves and for their children, and then we can back the design from there. I love that. I know that you you work with a lot of fathers. Mm -hmm. And you talk about how, you know, sometimes they can struggle with this. When, you know, when should they, you know, every, every parent, but fathers are particularly, I guess, you know, start working toward being a good father. When? Yeah. When? Uh, <laughs> long, maybe hopefully before we become fathers. You know, I, I started writing something a few years ago. And, it, and I'm not sure what I'm going to call it. I, I, I wrote like 10 chapters of the 12 chapters that I'd hoped to write it. And I, I, initially, I wanted to call it something like, hold on before you unzip your pants. But I don't think that's what I'm going to call it. But someone was, asking, someone was asking me, what would I tell my son? And so I started thinking about, again, moral mortality. If I'm not here, what do I want Naeem to know about being a, a father? And I think one of the things, there are several things I wanted him to do is I wanted him to take a good, honest look at his father at, from A to Z and realize that much of who he is, he's gotten it from his father. And I'd also want him to take a really hard, look, long look at his mother, because they say that men marry their mothers and, and women marry their fathers. So I wanted to make sure that as his model, I was modeling for him what he needed. And I also wanted him to, to be able to take a look at his mom and see if his mother was the woman that he would want to spend his time with. And so there was, there was a series of things, but the first part is just a self-analysis of, of who you are before you go into bringing somebody else into this world. You also talked, we talked before about some kind of stuff to talk about. And one of them was, you talked about the importance of writing to your children. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. So as you know, I wrote, I wrote a book called Raising Superman. It was not intended to be a book. When, when I learned I was going to be a father, because my relationship with my father was, was this tumultuous, would be polite, I was so concerned that I was going to mess it up like my father. Everything in my, my body said, your father didn't have a relationship with his father. And to the best of your knowledge, you don't know what kind of relationship your grandfather had with his great grandfather. There is no history of men in your in your family having great relationships with their fathers or their children. You don't have a track record for, for doing that. So for whatever reason, I decided to make some notes about the things that I wanted to have happen with my child. And, I. and one day when that child was two, that child decided that he should get mail. And that I should write him letters. So before I was making notes about what I wanted for him. And then suddenly he wanted mail. And what happened by me writing him initially was just to appease a two-year-old. Like, man, there's nothing good in the mailbox. There's just bills. Trust me. Just bills and junk mail. But daddy, I want mail. But daddy, I want mail. So I, I got greeting cards and gift cards. And I started writing him from the office. And I would mail them to him. And I'd get home a couple of days later. Well, I would come home every night. But a couple of days later, when the letters got there, because it was snail mail, he would say, I got mail, daddy. Can you read it to me? And so I would read the letters and the cards. And what I found in writing those letters and cards, it became cathartic. I started pouring out stuff that I hadn't 
known that was in me. I, you know, the, how much I loved and adored him. And I realized a couple of things. One, the letters were more for me than they were for him. I got a chance to figure out where I wanted to go as a man and as a father. Also, it was also cathartic because I got to sort of put to, to rest the demons that existed in my in, in my in my history about my father and I that I didn't have to be like my father at all. And the last thing I realized that I might not have any legacy, but but the only legacy I could may have are these letters that I written to a child um, that were not letters to a two year old. They were written as if he was 32 or when he was six, if he was 56 or, you know, if he was seven as he was 27, I was writing him thinking I wasn't going to be around and he'd have a record of how much I loved him and some instructions on, on what to do as a man. I love that. I love that. I, um, I think that writing sometimes brings out more in a person than just talking. It's like, you know, you're talking you can kind of the top, top of your head and you talk, but when you have to sit down and write, you start to think about your past and and it really does bring out all of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It certainly did. And and then the one of the cooler things is that he learned to read off of his dad's letters. So yeah. 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 So to the other part of our topic. Okay. How to design a life template that can give, you know, your child a real chance to succeed. Um, what are you talking about? A life Life. So, so we talked a little earlier about parents having an ideal about what they hope and dream for their children. So, again, the the bigger the first thing is to find out what hope what hopes and dreams parents have for their children. So, hope hopefully they have really audacious hopes and dreams for their children. And and those dreams for us were about raising a child that was intellectually ambitious, who was globally and culturally competent. And who cared for something greater than himself? That's what we what we hoped and dream. But in general, what the life template is is a backward design approach that asks parents to do this: one, to make sure your children are first and foremost jacks of all trades. We know we hear people all the time say "jack of all trades, master of none," as if that's a terrible thing. But I would I would tell people I would challenge anyone to to introduce me to a child who was versed in a whole lot of subjects and not be exceedingly excited about having to spend the time talking to that child. If a child could talk to me about the plane I just got off of and the food we were going to eat and how the hotel was constructed, et cetera, you'd really be interested in talking to that child. So that's the very first thing. There are things we want people to be familiar with. Why? Because it makes us in this world where we're always talking about diversity and inclusion and equity, it makes for a much more diverse and rich conversation to have when you can talk about a number of things. Secondly, the part is to make sure children master stuff. So there are things we have to master in the 21st century. Math and science are certainly those things. Reading and writing have always been those things. So it's important that we make sure the children are beyond whatever a school says is acceptable, but they are fully proficient in those, those subject matters. And then the last part, which is not least, is at the core. When your child's time is up, God forbid something terrible happens. So often this happens when a ch- when something happens with a child, the media defines who the child was. The parents haven't done enough to define who their own child was. So I'd say from the very beginning, this established at the core of a child's being who you want the child to be and live up to that for the duration of their life. 
I love it. You also talk about journaling, which which is close to my heart. Uh, and, and I just think it's a great idea just in general. But you really feel it's, a, it's an important part of being a parent. Yeah. I'm here today without doubt because the universe, God, the spirit, the creator, whatever word someone would choose to use, um, saw fit. Because every day I write my life as I'd imagine it being as opposed to how it, how it actually is. And, and I do that through what I call journaling for. So most people journal and write about something that happened in the past, maybe something they didn't like. I think that's a, an effective thing to do if you're looking for clues on how to be better. But I don't find writing about stuff that I'm lamenting day in and day in and day out to be an effective way to move forward. So I started journaling by a, a an ideal I asked my son to do, which was first affirm who he was every day. So I say, hey man, write, get a piece of, uh, get a pad and every day write who you are and what you want out of your life. And then one day I met some students and, and was speaking to them and he was present as well. And they asked, did I do what I had my son do? And like all good trees, I said, no. <laughs> I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> and so and so I decided I needed to start doing that. And the incredible thing happened that when I started seeing my life forward and writing about it, several things about my life changed. So I'm a I'm a big fan of daily, the first 20 minutes of every day, I write my life as I like it to be, even if it's not currently the way I want it to be. It seems like it does though help keep you on the path? It does. At least, it or at you, least close to the path. Yeah, it makes you chase your words because you see your words all the time. If I say that I am a public intellectual, I mean, that's one of the things I write, or I'm a best selling, award winning author. And then I haven't, I'm not a best selling author yet, and I haven't won any awards to my knowledge. However, I do know that you can't win any awards if you don't write. You can't be a best-selling award-winning writer, author, if you don't, if you're not constantly writing stuff, and you can't be focused on the outcome to win. You just have to, you just have to write, and yeah. so that allows me to 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 stay focused and do those kinds of things. I love it. I love, it. I love all of the things you've talked about in terms of being a better parent and doing actual things to do it. I mean, it's like you know, particular kind of actions that are, there aren't just, Oh, I should do this. I should do that, but actually taking actions and to connect with your kid. And it, that's kind of the whole, um, you know, reason. And I, and I watched a video of you yeah. and you were imploring parents and particularly fathers to connect to their child at the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was just, Fascinating. Yeah. And I know we're, we're running a little low on time, but not that much. Can you right. talk about that? Yeah. So, so Steve, my favorite movie of all time is The Lion King. And Mufasa and Simba's relationship convinced me that I could have a relationship that was better. My father's his past, his name was Tommy, that was better than Tommy and Nathaniel. When my son was, was uh, the home, the, I think the second day home, we couldn't, my wife was exhausted. and there was this moment where I had this baby and I wanted to take the baby and give the baby to her because I didn't know what I was doing. And I laid my son on my chest with his ear against my heart and he went to sleep. And it hit me at that moment that 
that's the connection that I want to have forever. I always want us to be connected at the heart. I I love that. I love that. I it reminds me just a little bit of when our first daughter was born, and I knew nothing. And I, you know, I agree with you that they don't give you any any warning at all. That helps. <laughs> um, the you know doctor hands me my my kid Stephanie, and and you know, other than the fact that she looks like a Parma ham, she's beautiful. You know, but it's so I, I did. I didn't know what to do. I was kind of holding her out, and and then kind of drew her closer. And her little, with one little hand, she reached up and gave me the finger. And I went, okay, I can live with this relationship. You know, and it's kind of a different thing. But I mean, it was just like, there's this connection that happens right away. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And, and, And at the end, it's always about what happens at the heart. I mean, it really is. I mean, people, you know, it, it could be at your head, but really... I believe that we're we're guided with our children when we're doing what's best. We're doing what's best because we're connected at the heart. Yep, I I agree. Um, well, we're almost time up. But is there anything that we haven't talked about that you really like to kind of hit or hit one more time or kind of a? If I'm in your office and and we're kind of getting to the end of our our meeting and, and you say, hey, hold on. before you go, I want to tell you this. Yeah. So I, I guess the one, one thing I would say is take a, as a, as a parent, we always tell children, we always are concerned about who our children are associating with. I would say to parents, be very careful about the people that you associate with, that you have a, a, a village made up of humanitarians rather than a village made up of idiots, because it is <laughs> it's, it's scientifically proven that we are the average of the people we spend the most time with. Robin K. Dunbar says, Dr. Dunbar says it's a number of five, that five people are responsible for 40 percent of everything we think we consume, et cetera. We can add an additional 10 people, 15 people to make 60 percent. Jim Rohn used to say, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You know, pick whatever number you want to pick. But it is true that we are influenced by the people that we surround ourselves by. And if we're around people who don't love their children equally, who don't want your children to be successful, who are tugging at you and keeping you from doing the kinds of things you know you need to be doing to help your child be successful, it is unlikely that your child is going to be successful. So I'd say, you know, be very particular about the people that not only do you allow in your child's life, but you allow in your own life. I I love that. I love I love your your you know analogy and of the village. Um and then the diversity of and and the and the, the parable of the fruit. It it kind of reminded me, it's sort of a joke, but it really isn't. And I've you know, I've heard it takes a village, but it also takes a vineyard. <laughs> there you go. I like sure. that. I, I like, like that. that. So, thank you for joining us today. I, this was great. I mean, just lots of really down to earth stuff that can help and and make every make us think about ourselves. And I, it's what I really love. So, th- thank you so much, Nate, for Do sitting down and talking with us today. 
been my pleasure. I'm very grateful to be here and hopefully you'll invite me back. And I promise you next time I will be in a better place where the lighting is fine and I won't probably be in a, in a sweatshirt and a t-shirt. Oh, I, 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 that's okay with me. Before we go, I did read a bunch of your stuff about, about education. And I know you're a big fan of STEM. Yes. And I want to talk about that. And that'll be next time. And, but before we go, would you like to give anyone listening idea how to get in contact with you? Sure. Well, Steve, I'm going to, you have, you have my mobile number, so you can call me at any time. I can. And I can put your address in my in my phone and drive out to, to visit you. But the easiest way to, to find me, I have a website, it's Nathaniel, N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L, the letter A as in Apple, uh, and T-U-R-N-E-R, Turner.com, NathanielAturner.com. Love it. So thanks again, and thanks everyone else for joining us today. If anyone has any further questions on today's topic, you can also post it here. And we can get you connected with Nate. So until next time, everyone, stay safe, stay happy, and be well. This has been Modern Family Matters, a legal podcast focusing on providing real answers and direction for individuals and families. Our podcast is sponsored by Landerholm Family Law and Pacific Cascade Family Law, serving families in Oregon and Washington. If you are in need of legal counsel or have additional questions about a family law matter important to you, please visit our websites at LanderHomeLaw.com or PacificCascadeFamilyLaw.com. You can also call our headquarters at 503-227-0200 to schedule a case evaluation with one of our seasoned attorneys. Modern Family Matters, advocating for your better tomorrow and offering legal solutions important to the modern family.